anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Raising the debt ceiling does not increase our debt. It does not somehow promote profligacy. I know words. I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. And I'm your host, the voice and soul of so-called fiction, Johnny Profita. Hope everyone's doing well today. It is our Friday night happy hour in just uh, about a little over two hours from now, about two and a half hours from now. I'm recording. It's, oh no, shit. It's only an hour and a half from now. (laughs) Sorry, I can tell time. It's about five o'clock on Friday. I have been working on a lot of stuff today. It's been a very hectic week for me. For those of you that follow me on the Twitters or the Instagram, you may have noticed that the Sayulita Super Spreader tickets are officially on sale. I found a venue. I locked it down. I think you guys are going to love it. I ended up using a hotel, which I wasn't originally planning on doing. My original plan was to have it at like a, a villa somewhere like kind of secluded, but man, th- those villas... They, they really fucking filled up quickly. I, I missed out on a couple of them that, that got booked before I could go see them. And uh, this, so so I ended up with this hotel. But I think you guys are, are really going to like it. It's a, it's a very nice hotel. They're let, they have a rooftop terrace that we're going to have the event on. That's where we're going to host the main events. And the um, the guests will be staying in one of the penthouses there. There's a, They call it a royal penthouse or something. It's a, a five-bedroom, two-floor penthouse. That's where I will be housing our special guests. So they will be staying at the hotel. If you want to stay at the hotel, it is... I think the, the rooms are kind of pricey for the area. You know, they're... I think they call it a five-star hotel. So I, I know the they have like junior suites and stuff like that, but they'll run you a few hundred dollars a night. There are cheaper ways to to live in Sayulita, in and around Sayulita. There should be a bunch of Airbnbs available. And depending on, you know, what kind of luxury you're looking for, you can find them super cheap for, you know, less than, uh, around like $50 a, a night or something like that. Or you can get a, a, a nicer place and you should be able to get a pretty decent place for around like 70 something dollars a night has been my experience. And, you know, you almost really don't need to worry about the location. If it's in Sayulita, it's going to be close to the venue. Because you can walk across pretty much all of Sayulita in maybe 15 to 20 minutes. So it's, it's, a, it's a small town. However, if you do, uh, if you go, the farther back you go away from the ocean, you start to run into some elevation. So there's, there's some pretty big hills back there. And that might, that might influence your decision. There's a lot of nice places up there with these elevated ocean views. And they're fairly inexpensive. But you'll be doing a lot of walking or you might want to get a golf cart or something like that. Or you can take, you know, taxis and stuff around. But just just so you know, that's uh, that it, the farther you go back past the downtown, you start to get into the mountains there. And there can be some pretty steep hills for you to walk up. FYI. But if you're staying anywhere in and around the main downtown area, you'll, you're going to be close to the venue. And... I will. I do have a, a point of contact there who works in real estate who can help you find places if you're if you're struggling or you want you, you just want a local to help you out. She will um, be more than happy to do that after you buy your tickets. Uh, after, you know, once I get uh, they they went on sale today. We sold a few, but we need to sell a lot more. So go buy your goddamn tickets. Don't uh, don't wait to the last second here. 
but w once I get like a fair amount of tickets sold, I will start sending out some information emails with some uh, contacts for you guys to to reach out to if you're looking for places to stay and things like that, just to sort of make it easier on you folks. But yeah, we're we're in all systems go here. There is no turning back. I have uh, tonight. I will put the deposit down on the venue. And that is non-refundable, so I will be uh, uh, hanging out there for a while until we sell some of these tickets, but that's fine. I do think there's going to be a fair amount of interest, but I could be misreading this situation. So the venue holds, they say, around 60 people. So I, I, put a I think I put 65 tickets up for sale, and a handful of like 20 or 25 of those are the VIP tickets. And then the, the rest are just general admission. The VIPs will get you into, we're going to do a Friday night happy hour welcome event sort of thing with all of the special guests and sort of like an intimate environment where you we can mingle and you can, you know, you can talk to whoever you want. We'll, we'll drink and we'll eat and trip the, the night fantastic there. And then Saturday, we'll just all throughout the day, we're going to be doing live podcasts and, you know, with audience participation and things like that. Michael Rechtenwald wants to give a talk, so he's going to give a talk. Saturday evening, Robbie the Fire Bernstein will be doing his stand up routine. And then after that, I think we're just going to go straight into an episode of Run Your Mouth and we'll go from there. There will be. Uh, food and beverage service provided on Saturday. I, I you know I haven't figured out the exact schedule yet, but that's sort of a, a rough thing. You know we'll probably break in the middle of the day to let you guys do stuff, and and uh, you know we'll we'll leave the morning open on Saturday as well. Sunday will be a brunch type thing earlier in the morning because you know some people might be leaving Sunday afternoon, so we'll be cognizant of that. And uh, we'll we'll just have like a, a brunch and like uh, an interview or something on, on Sunday morning. And then the other VIP event, if people are staying, this is, you know, you don't have to do this if you don't want to, but I, I figured some people would want to stay more than just the weekend. And also usually flights are cheaper if you fly like a Tuesday, you fly out on a Tuesday, return on a Tuesday or a Wednesday to Monday kind of thing. So it, it, flying on the weekends is generally the the highest price ticket. So if you're looking for a cheaper flight, you might want to look into that, like flying in uh, the Wednesday before the event and flying back on Monday or Tuesday or something like that if you want to stay a little longer. But for those VIPs that are staying through the weekend, at least through Sunday, we're going to come back to uh, PV on Sunday and I will host a little party at my place here. It'll probably be a combination of the pool and the beach. It depends on how many people are actually interested in this and are actually going to come. So I have no idea yet, but all the VIPs will have that available to them if they want to party with me at my place on Sunday afternoon. And then, you know, we can hit the town. I can show you guys around downtown PV, give you a little tour, whatever, show you my favorite spots to go. So I, I think this is going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to it. Anyway, I will put the, uh, the uh, link to the landing page to buy the tickets in the description of this episode. And I'll keep throwing it out there on social media and stuff like that. And, I'm going to try to get these other guys to promote it. It'd be nice if they would help me out here, especially if they'd like some first-class accommodations on these flights. They don't want to be flying steerage. They better sell some tickets for me. But uh, uh, anyway, that's uh, that. That's where we are right now. We are a fucking. We are officially going to do this. So don't let me down. I'm depending on a lot of you guys to come and to come and enjoy this event. And the, you know, the more people that come out, you know, if we if this ends up being like really popular and I need to add more tickets and and find a new venue, I can absolutely do that. So I I just I had to nail down something. I had to start somewhere so that I could sort of gauge what the interest was on this. And man, it is <laughs> working in, like trying to figure this out in Mexico with just like the Mexican lifestyle that's so goddamn nonchalant, it is has been really stressful and frustrating for me. I'll be honest. Like I was uh, up until yesterday, 
Actually, yeah, or no, Wednesday. Up until Wednesday night, I was worried that we weren't going to have a fucking venue. Uh, I'll, I'll be perfectly honest. Like, because I wasn't sure. I knew this hotel was available, but I hadn't seen it yet. And my friend was going to go over there and take some video and do a walkthrough and, sh- and show me everything. But I also wasn't sure, since it's like an organized hotel, if they were going to be weird about the whole COVID thing. You know, they're going to start enforcing ma- like stupid ass mask policies and shit like that. So. I do have a guarantee that they don't give a shit about that. And I, I sent my my spy in. <laughs> I, I sent my friend in. I told her, I was like, do not put a mask on. See what their reaction is. And they don't give a shit. And then I had her specifically make sure that they aren't going to give us a hard time about about all this COVID ridiculousness. Because that was my my only kind of fear doing it at like an established business was that they're going to be kind of weird about that. But, you know, it it is a lot more laid back here and particularly in Sayulita. So that is um, that should not be a concern. This will be like a time capsule back to 2019. But man, just trying to get some prices out of these guys was like pulling fucking teeth. They dragged it out for like four or five days. They wouldn't tell me how much anything costs, which makes it really hard to plan anything. And uh, anyway, it all worked out. And um, some of my friends here who have stayed at this hotel said that they fucking loved it. They really liked it. It's really nice. They like the rooms and everything. So, you know, they do have a, a good amount of rooms available. But they are on the on the pricier side for for Mexico. So, there. If you're looking for for cheaper accommodations, check Airbnb. Send me, you know, shoot me a fucking message on Twitter or something like that, and I can pipeline you into some locals here that might be able to help you find a, a cheaper place as well. But first and foremost, buy those tickets so that I know that we're gonna have enough people to put this on. I I, I need you guys to support my endeavors here and uh, prove to me that I am not a fucking lunatic. And uh, yeah, there's there's been some developments in the in the whole COVID craziness stuff, but you know, I, I don't wanna talk too much about that because I've kind of, I mean, there, there's not much else I, I, I know what to say. You know, I know uh, I saw Joe Rogan contracted uh he tested positive for covid and he put out some video on instagram which was like the most benign video ever and he still takes shit for it and this is unbelievable i watched the thing after i had seen you know a bunch of people tweeting about it and i've seen memes about it and i'm like all right well what what you know what did he say because the media is just like you know busting his balls and everything like that and i mean all he did was was uh, talk for like a minute and a half, and he's like, yeah, you know, I got back from a show, and I, I wasn't feeling, you know, he's on the road or something, doing uh, stand-up, or I guess, or something like that, and he's like, I wasn't feeling kind of very good, and so I, you know, I isolated myself from my family, I slept in another part of the house, and then the next morning I got up and I got tested, and I, I, have, I had COVID, so I just, I, we threw the kitchen sink at it, and he just named a bunch of you know, treatments that he took for it. Unfortunately for him, he named some of the no-no treatments, right? He talked about ivermectin, which apparently, you know, is like the biggest no-no ever. We've been using that shit down here in Mexico, by the way, this entire time. And, oh, that's probably another good uh, incentive for you guys to buy tickets and come down here to enjoy the Sayulita Super Spreader with me, you can walk into these pharmacies and you can buy all of this shit right there over the counter for uh, you know a fraction of what it would cost if you were getting a prescription in the U.S. Any sort of prescription you need, even if it's not COVID related, you know my parents have, uh, my mom has like some skin ointment shit that she needs to use. And it was like, you know, $250 or something, $300 for like a little tube of this shit in the U.S. And I can go to a a pharmacy here and get it for like 40 bucks, you know, stuff like that, where it's just over the counter, no prescription needed. But yeah, they sell. I have a bunch of ivermectin here because my uncle wanted uh, this was like last year. He's like, yeah, get me, you know, stock up on all this shit and like send it back to me. And he ended up getting some from his friend coming back. So I, I have a bunch of ivermectin just sitting in the cabinet here. Uh, hydroxychloroquine, the uh, anything you you want, you can pretty much get here over the counter. But yeah, so he named a bunch of these, you know, drugs that he took. You know, prednisone, Z packs, which you know those are already available here as well. W- whatever. He wasn't like 
And he's like, and so he said, you know, we threw the kitchen sink at it and I feel good after like three days. Right. He did all this, this treatment of, you know, a wide variety of stuff. He got like some sort of, uh, you know, IV drip or some shit and took all these vitamins and all these medication, all these medications. And he feels good after three days. And by the way, he's been vaccinated <laughs> for all the shit he takes about being an anti-vaxxer. He's been vaccinated. It just goes to show you how fucking crazy everybody is about this. This is like heresy to just mention that there might be an alternative treatment to the Pfizer vaccine. It, it, it just goes to show you how religious this is and how crazy these people are. Because he wasn't even like, you know, he wasn't even explicitly advocating for ivermectin or something he's just telling me he's like hey this is what i did i took all this stuff i feel great and i and i've been vaccinated by the way um i don't know if he actually mentioned that in the video but he has been vaccinated i'm i'm like 99.9 percent .9 sure of that he didn't he wasn't you know uh derogatory toward vaccines he wasn't like really positive about ivermectin or something like that he just said this is what happened to me and this is what I did. I feel much better now. So I'm really glad that we have all of these modern day medicines available. Like who wouldn't be excited? Like, What kind of a deranged motherfucker do you have to be to get upset that there's alternative treatments that might work to the, the whole COVID thing? Like, wouldn't you want as many options as possible instead of just w relying on one fucking thing? Just be like, hey, you know, like maybe you can't take this one fucking thing for some reason. If you have an allergy to it or you just don't want to take that kind of treatment, there's a whole variety of other things that are very successful. Like this should be a good story. It should be, oh, great. You know, like we have options here. It's not as bad as we thought it was going to be. You don't necessarily have to rely on these vaccines that, you know, as we've pointed out on this show are not nearly as effective as they were billed to be, to say the least. And people just go fucking crazy over this. I, I, I cannot believe this became controversial, what he said. If you haven't seen the video, go watch it. It's, you know, it's all over the, the internet. But it was the most benign thing ever. It was basically just a long way of saying that he had to push his next show back to, you know, like a new date or a new venue or something like that because because of the whole COVID thing okay oh, man people are just fucking nuts man they're fucking crazy and that is one of the reasons why I'm really looking forward to this event dude I I just I mean I can get I can shoot over there anytime I want and get away from this whole fucking COVID craziness but I know a lot of you guys have just been bogged down in this insanity and some of you guys haven't been able to travel. Maybe you just couldn't find time to get away. Maybe you just couldn't find an excuse. And I'm I'm glad that I can give people that excuse. And even if it's just for a few days, get you back to the way things used to fucking be. Show we we cannot forget what life used to be like two years ago. I refuse to let people fucking consider this new way of life the new normal or something like that. Fuck that. Fuck that. We're going to reclaim our 2019 liberties right here. And uh, yeah, you know, there's <laughs> the, the, the amount of mental gymnastics that people are doing to justify just gross violations of individual liberty, civil liberty that they used to champion is it's really something to see. You know, I remember being a student of history, reading about all these fucked up things that happened throughout history. And it, you'd always wonder, like, how, what the fuck was going on back then? What were they thinking? How could they let this happen? And, and to be living through it in real time is really something to admire on, on like a weird level, right? We're getting like a front row view, front row ticket to like massive fucking propaganda campaigns, mind control, like weird, you know, like the delusions of, of uh, mass crowds and things like, like just how when you get large groups of people together, like, and, and on the same, like how, how easily they can be manipulated and how fucking crazy they get. It's really something to watch. But anyway, the other like ridiculous thing that I saw this week was the ACLU 
coming out, they have, as far as I know, they haven't said anything. And uh, granted, I don't follow them closely, but usually when they come out and they take a stance, especially like a controversial one or something like that, it's in the news. I haven't heard a peep out of them this entire fucking time about the lockdowns or anything, any of these fucking gross violations of individual liberty. But they decided to come out and make the case that forcing people to take vaccines is a victory for civil liberties. This is the stance that they're taking. They published an article in the New York Times asserting that the government, for and I'm making this up, the government forcing people to take vaccines, mandating vaccines, mandating vaccine passports, is a victory for civil liberties. A victory. This is a quote from the article. Far from compromising them, vaccine mandates actually further civil liberties. They protect the most vulnerable, people with disabilities and fragile immune systems, children too young to be vaccinated, and communities of color hit hard by the disease. I, I mean, think about, think about what they're saying here. The government forcing you to inject drugs into your arm is furthering your civil liberties. You're, you're more you're more free than you were before. <laughs> I mean, th this is crazy. This is the government forcing people to take vaccines under the threat of losing your jobs, being you know ostracized socially, losing the right to run your business or, or patronize businesses. This, this is a boon for civil liberties. This is like the best thing to happen to civil liberties since the, uh, the Civil Rights Act, right? <laughs> The, the good news is they've taken some shit for this position that they're taking. Thankfully, there are still some critically thinking people out there. But my God, what an asinine. I don't even know what to say. Like, this is just so ridiculous. You're better off just saying nothing than this retarded argument that forcing people to take vaccines furthers their civil liberties. Why? Because in theory, and, and this theory has been proven false, but it, it, it protects the, the least vulnerable, even though it doesn't. But even if it did, even if it did, how is that, you know, how does that further civil liberties? I mean, what's the percentage of people that are really at risk, at high risk of dying from COVID? We know it's like 0.26% of the population or something like that. So in order to further the civil liberties of 99.7% of the population, we force something on them that they don't want, that they don't necessarily want in order to, in theory, decrease the likelihood, the risk that 0.26% of the population will uh, contract COVID and die from it. What kind of even, you know, and these are the people that believe in democracy and majority rules. Not that I necessarily do. I mean, you guys know how I feel about that shit. And they keep, you know, they always talk about the greater good, you know, doing things. We have this social contract and this is for the greater good of society. When it's a far smaller percentage that are at risk of COVID than the, the people that you're forcing the vaccines on. So how is that the greater good? Like this, this idea that because we live in a society, that everything we do affects everyone else in some way. And because we are all sort of connected, you know, interconnected in this collective society that we live in, we are the, then therefore we're all individually beholden to the collective. This is a bunch of fucking Marxist bullshit, man. Some socialism propaganda. I mean, they're basically saying that the collective has the the right and the responsibility to micromanage the individual lives of everybody in society because if the individual is allowed to make their own decisions, they could potentially harm the whole group. And so they don't believe in voluntarism. They don't believe in the, you know, freedom of choice. They, they believe in forcing you into their ideology and forcing you into their way of life. It's almost as if they know that their ideas suck. So they have to force everybody into it because we wouldn't do it voluntarily. But they are the people, you know, that know what the right thing to do is in every situation. They know what's right for every individual on the face of the earth. And they are the people that get to decide what sort of freedoms 
are acceptable, what freedoms you get to enjoy, even though it's supposed to be, they keep saying our society. We, we live in our society. Well, it, if I'm part of that society, why, why would they have a greater say as to what I can do in that society than my own say? And this is all just ridiculous. What, what they really mean is that we live in their society and they get to determine how we get to live in their society. But but this this idea that you know the the individual isn't free to do what he or she wants to do because it might be detriment to the collective. I mean, who gets to decide what's debt like what's a detriment to the collective, and and how far can we take this? I mean, what, like Im- imagine what the the implications of this logic are if if we're going to apply it to their theories on climate change or something like that overpopulation you know every every person has a carbon footprint you're having too many children now we have to limit the number of children that you can have because if you have too many children then your carbon footprint is too big and you're destroying the planet and therefore we can do x y and z to you i mean i mean this opens the door for all untold amounts of just incredible mistreatment and violation of individual rights. And they just get to pick and choose when they when they want to use it. It's like, you know, they they only seem to care about about the freedom to choose personal choice in very specific situations. You know, the whole my body, my choice thing. You know, I I don't have time to talk about it today, but they had the that big abortion thing in uh in Texas, right? They came out with like that new abortion law or whatever. They're they're all for my body, my choice when it comes to killing babies. <laughs> but when it comes to what you get to inject into your own body, then the, the choice goes out the window because we live in a society. And when you really, you know, sit down and think about these things why they're trying to mandate all of these ineffective things and why they flip out at guys like Joe Rogan who talk about using alternative medicines to the you know the corporate press the government anointed vaccine treatments and when you see all these studies coming out talking about their ineffectiveness or how how uh, you know they don't do everything that they said they were going to do you're left with one conclusion, in my opinion, that this is not about health or health care or saving society or ending COVID or anything like that. This is about denying you access to your life, not allowing you to participate in normal everyday social activities, earn a living, hang out with people that you want to hang out with unless you do what the government wants you to do. It's always about control with them. And it is, it is like I, I've always said, this is amazing to me that something that has proven to be a lot less worse than everybody's initial fears, the exception of, you know, people that listen to this show, myself included, that kind of felt like this was not going to be that big of a deal. They turned it into a big deal. But if you go back and listen, when this first came out, I was like, yeah, this is not going to be that big of a thing. It's amazing how how quickly uh, people get on board and attached to this this narrative, this delusion uh, of just and and this like fear porn and addicted to it. And uh, I don't know what to tell you. Like our our liberties, our freedoms, the individual rights are more important than your fucking paranoid delusional fears. So we are not going to succumb to your fucking bullshit. We are going to have Sayulita super spreader events every year, hopefully going forward, to remind everybody that we used to be free and that the individual trumps the collective. All right. Oh, let's take a quick second and thank our sponsor for today's show. That is Lorenzotti Coffee. Here I am drinking some off Costco brand coffee because I can't get my Lorenzotti down here in Mexico. Maybe I'll, if you guys come down, bring me some Lorenzotti. (laughs) Smuggle me some premium Italian coffee that was delivered right to your door by liberty-minded entrepreneurs 
because you went to Lorenzati.coffee. That's L-O-R-E as in Edward, N as in Nancy, Z as in Zebra, O-T-T-I dot coffee. And you use my promo code FICTION so they know I sent you and you got 10% off your order. And if you haven't done that, go ahead and do that now. They've been our longest running sponsor, our most loyal sponsor, and they've really helped me out with a number of other things in the past. They've really gone above and beyond just here's a promo code, plug my coffee kind of thing. So I really like these guys, and I think they have a good product. I think you will enjoy it if you haven't already. So go support them and indirectly support this show that you love so much by going to lorenzati.coffee. Use my promo code FICTION. You'll get 10% off your order. All right, I want to, the, uh, I sort of teased this on the last episode, and I ran out of time. I want to talk about the markets a little bit. I will try not to bore you guys to death. There's just a lot of indicators. And, you know, I, I it seems like every like six months, I'm just like, man, there's a lot of indicators that we're, we're really reaching a top in this market. And for what, you know, we've been sort of bumping our heads up against this top or ceiling, if you want to call it, in the stock market. And if you look at a chart, and you've you've um, listened to me go over how to look at basic structure and stuff like that. We really got to like all time highs for the first time. We got to this level of about thirty four thousand seven hundred, almost thirty five thousand back in May. All right, and then we broke down a little bit, and we bumped up against it again in June. We broke down a little bit. We bumped up against it again in July. A couple times in July, broke down, and then we got just barely above it to thirty-five thousand at the end, towards the end of July. There, and we bounced up around there, and then we broke through it again just this month. We made new all-time highs, thirty-five thousand five hundred, and we pulled back down into previous structure right at that level around thirty-four thousand seven eight hundred something like that. And now we're bumping up against thirty-five thousand five hundred again. And we're just sort of, we're going sideways now. Despite just unprecedented levels of federal government spending, the the, the Fed is monetizing a lot of this debt. They are buying a bunch of uh, securities. They're still doing all this QE stuff. And we're starting to see like the telltale signs of just peak bubble. And I have a couple of articles here that I want to sort of go over. The, the first one that caught my eye, and this was uh, last week, was a Gen Zers taking on debt to invest. Okay, now there are a couple different ways to take on debt to invest. And not surprisingly, the Gen Zers are doing it in like the dumbest, most riskiest fashion ever. But you see a lot of this when you start getting into this mania where everybody just thinks the market is going to go up forever. I mean, why, you know, you just buy the fucking dip and it goes up. And I mean, that's been working for for more than a decade now. It's been working since the March lows of 2009 when we embarked on all of this crazy uh, quantitative easing monetary policy. And, you know, the first time I really saw a lot of this was back in the dot-com days, the dot-com bubble days where they were, people were taking on personal debt, credit card debt to leverage their investment portfolios. And you know, as long as the market's going up, that that works. But once there's a crash, now you're really fucked, especially when you're taking on credit card debt. And the interest rates on that are astronomical. I mean, you're talking 18, 20% on credit cards, I, I, something like that, I don't know. I, if you have a credit card, you should be paying it off every month. They're already giving you a one-month interest-free loan. That that should be good enough. All right. So you, as far as credit cards go, they're a great thing to have as long as you don't rack up the debt and have to pay all that interest every month. But you know, we saw all the the meme stock mania earlier this year. Is that back in February or something like that? And we're starting to see all these young people get sucked in to the market, even though they don't have any fucking money. Like they're in, they're already in debt up to their eyeballs. Uh, eyeballs. They have student debt, right? They have credit card debt, and they're taking out more debt to gamble in the fucking stock market. They're considering themselves day traders. Uh, you know, I follow some of these guys on Twitter. 
And like, there's all I see all of these guys, you know, tweeting about how how much money they're making. They're gonna become day traders now. And the vast majority, of the, you know, they got like a Robinhood account, <laughs> and they have no business being in the stock market. And this is like the the, the quintessential thing, you know. There, there's all there's all sorts of great sayings in the the finance world. If you're if you do any sort of trading, you run around those circles. There's an old saying that don't confuse brains with a bull market, you know, and it's a lot of these people, especially people, you know, my age have never seen a bear market like in their entire lives. The stock market has done nothing but go up. You know, we had the the one crash in 2008 and most people my age weren't old enough to have any money in the stock market or be following it at all. And since 2009, all the stock market has done is go up. And so no matter what you bought, you know, if you just buy these indexes or something like that, you, you look like a fucking genius. You think you're a fucking genius because you're making all of these paper, these these profits in theory. They're on paper, right? Your, your account's looking good. You're up like 150% or something like that because you're just throwing fucking, you know, everything at the wall and seeing what sticks and everything's going up. Everything just keeps going up. But so they, they did a survey. They did a study, Magnify Money, and I don't know what that is, but they did a study on this, just trying to figure out like how much investors were taking on debt to invest in something like that. And 40% of investors have taken on debt to gamble in the stock market. Now, that's if you break this down by age, 80% of Gen Zers are borrowing to invest, 60% of millennials, and 28% of Gen Xers. Which, you know, kind of makes sense because the younger you are, the less disposable income you have for a variety of reasons, but pretty much all because of government. We've gone over those a lot on this show. But, you know, so Gen Zers have have no fucking money. So 80% of them have to borrow money in order to gamble in the, in the Wall Street casino. 60% of millennials. Now, personal loans were the most popular choice. 38% of people that went into debt took out a personal loan. And let's see, 46% of those borrowed $5,000 or more. Now, when I, when I say there's different types of debt, different ways to borrow to invest, you know, typically actual traders, they will basically do what's called uh, speculating on margin, which means you're, you're using your investment account the, the debt gets collateralized by what you're holding in the account. So, you know, like basically the worst thing that can happen is your account gets wiped out and they take all your all the underlying securities. You have to you're forced to sell those and, and liquidate. But if you're taking out a person like if you're taking out a personal loan and using credit card debt, like that stuff doesn't get forgiven. You, you can lose a lot more than just what you have in the account. And, and that that interest just keeps piling up and piling up. So this is a very risky game. And you start to see people that have no business getting involved in the stock market towards the end of bubbles. That's when the, the dumb money comes in. That's why they call it the dumb money. You get in at the very top. You load up on debt because you think every, you've been watching this thing go up and up and up. And you're, you're like you don't want to miss out on it. And then right after you load up on this debt, boom, there's the crash. Now, we're also seeing a lot of these social media influencers that are doing all these like fucking pump and dump schemes they're using all these like influencers to pump up stocks and all of these influencers like like they don't have any track record other than just getting involved in the biggest stock market bubble the world has ever fucking seen you know, they're my age. They're younger than me. You know, they're late 20s, early 30s. They've been in the market for a few years. They're, they've, they've only seen a market that is completely dependent on artificially low interest rates and hundreds of billions of dollars being pumped into it every month by the Federal Reserve. They have no idea what they're doing, but they'll have millions of followers just taking their advice, buying these stocks. You've got companies like PayPal trying to get in on the, the stock trading platforms. I mean, you know, when you start seeing everybody trying to get in on something, all these different companies trying to figure out ways to get uh, people who have no business being in the stock market, like you're going to use your PayPal account to, to start trading stocks. 
these are all sort of indicators that, man, you know, we're, we're really getting a little long in the tooth with this market here. So now not only do we have the Robin Hoods of the world that, that are coming up with these free trading platforms to get young people with no money that can't afford the, the commissions and everything like that to trade for free on their platforms. Now you're getting, you know, pay services like PayPal and, and stuff like that that are trying to get in on that action. Couple that with what's called the Buffett rule. Okay, now for those of you who aren't familiar with the Oracle of Omaha, Warren Buffett, a famous investor, right? They call him the Oracle of Omaha because he's he's all it's almost like he's got this crystal ball. He can really read the markets. He knows when they're overvalued and when they're undervalued, and he always seems to get out just before the market crashes, and then he's flush with all this capital to buy up uh, all these stocks and assets on the cheap, right? Well, how does he do that? He's got a very simple trading strategy, um, at least the you know the one that he's known for. I have no idea how many different trading strategies he he employs, but the one that he's famous for, the Buffett rule, it, it, it's a really simple math equation. It's so simple that even I can do it. Okay, all it is, it's the he takes the st- the total stock market capitalization, he divides it by the GDP, and he multiplies it by a hundred. Now. What the hell is stock market capitalization, right? Mar- a market capitalization, or you know, you hear it as market cap. They, you, you've probably heard that term thrown around a lot. Oh, the market cap of this company is like ten billion dollars. Is a hundred billion dollar market cap? Blah 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 blah. All that me- market capitalization. All that means is that it's the total dollar market value out of the outstanding shares of stock that a company has. Okay, that's the market cap. So it's the the value of all the outstanding shares of stock that they have. And and the way you find that is also very easy. You multiply the total number of outstanding shares by the price of one share, and that gives you the the market cap. So like a a company with 10 million shares that were priced at $100 each has a $1 billion market cap, okay? Now I don't want to get too far into the weeds here, but I think it you know you, you're going to hear every time you hear these like guys on CNBC talk about stocks, they're going to talk about the market cap. That's what they mean. Now what Warren Buffett does is he takes that the total market cap for all of the stocks that we have, right, and he divides it by the GDP for the country, and that gives him this ratio. It's the market cap to GDP ratio to determine whether or not the stock market is overvalued or undervalued. Okay, this is what's called the Buffett indicator, okay? And if if that ratio is like around like 50%, 75%, if it's under 100%, if it's under 1, the the market is said to be undervalued. And the closer you get to 50%, then you're like really undervalued, okay? If you're over 100%, the market is said to be overvalued. So the stocks are very expensive. You're not getting a good bang for your buck. You're paying too much for companies that are overvalued. So what Warren Buffett does is, you know, periodically, he he looks at this indicator. He takes all of the, the value of all of the publicly traded stocks in the country. He divides it by the gross domestic product of the country, and he multiplies by 100. And if it's over one, and depending on how far over one, you know, I don't know exactly when he makes his move, but he starts unwinding his positions when he gets to a really overvalued threshold. Now, I don't know what that is, but it all it's typically early. And you'll always hear these talking heads on TV being like, oh, has Warren Buffett lost his touch, his Midas touch? Has he lost his crystal ball because he's pulling out, he's underwinding these positions and the, the markets just keeps going higher and higher and higher. But he, he may be early, but he's enjoyed this huge run up in the stock, right? In the, in the stock prices. And he's seeing them get overvalued. And the higher up they go, the less value you're getting. The, you know, the, the less bang for your buck, you're overpaying for overpriced stock. And he's perfectly happy to sit on the sidelines and wait for that, that ratio to fall back below one get closer to to 50 so he's you know he keeps his powder dry for when stocks go on sale all right and if you look at where we are right now valuation wise 
we are at like ridiculous levels. I have some charts here that I was looking at earlier today. I have to go pretty soon because it's uh, it's almost six o'clock here and I need to uh, wrap up and start the happy hour. But just to give you guys a very broad idea of where we are, okay? I'm gonna pull up this chart. Now, it, at the peak of the dot-com bubble, right? Right before the crash, valuations on that Warren Buffett indicator we're at 1.95 okay that's very that's very rich right that's really overpriced if one if one percent is our threshold 1.95 is almost double that okay the the valuations at the the peak of the 2007 housing bubble was 1.4 1.4 and we crashed from there the valuations we are at now we passed 1.4 back in like late 2014 we passed 1.95 back in 2019. We are sitting at a Buffett indicator market cap to GDP ratio of 2.48. We have never been that high. 1.95 was the highest we've gotten during the dot-com, and we're at 2.48. What is that telling you? That is telling you that, and this is inflation-adjusted. So this is an inflation-adjusted market cap to GDP ratio. That is telling you that the stock market is very expensive right now. We have had a tremendous run in this bull market. And I have no idea how long it can go. But man, to, to pretend that we aren't like nearing the top of this thing, you can, you can look at the chart and just kind of see that it's running out of steam. It's sort of sputtering. It make, we'll make a slight... You know, a slightly new high, and we'll pull back down, and then it takes us. We struggle to get above that, and we're barely getting above it, and we fall back down. We barely get above it, and we fall back down. We go sideways for a while. It just looks like it's running out of steam when you look at the chart, and then you look at these valuations, and, and my God, we're 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 one point nine five, and we're at two point four eight now. One point nine five was the highest we've ever been. The 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 richest the most costly the stock market has ever been and we are half a fucking percentage point above that things are very expensive right now you are not getting uh, you are you are overpaying for any stock uh, pretty much not every stock but you know broadly speaking i'm sure there are you know bargains you can find in there in certain sectors uh the commodity you know gold and silver i think are are very underpriced but broadly speaking the stock market is really overvalued right now. And I'm not going to give anybody investment advice, but you know, when you couple yeah, we're we're seeing all these sort of um anecdotal indicators, I guess I would call those, right? A bunch of young idiots taking on debt to gamble in the stock market, people thinking they're professional traders on Robinhood, PayPal trying to get in on the action, and you couple those with actual, you know, numbers, right? actual ratios that show that we are the, the this is the most expensive the stock market has ever been and and things tend to revert toward the the mean right there's everything sort of reverts toward the mean over time well if we're going to revert toward the the mean is like you know around 70 75% something like that so that's the direction we're going to be going we're we're not going to go up and up and up forever that's one thing i know Right, I don't know when we're gonna stop going up, but I know we're pretty fucking high up right now. And at some point, we're gonna start heading back down toward that seventy-five percent level, and that's gonna be a massive drop from where we are right now. And the other thing is that you get these pendulum swings, right? Every time we hit one of these these peaks, you know, when we went from one point nine five, within a couple years, we were back down around. Let's see, what is that? Yeah, like 0.9. So we lost in it 100%. We lost a full percentage point there. That was a big swing. And then when we when we fell from uh, 1.4 at the financial crisis, we were back down around looks like 65. So there there is there is a correction coming. I don't know when it's going to be, but do with this information as you will. Maybe it's time for you to start unwinding some of your positions that have done very well. Take some of those profits before they evaporate right before your eyes. You know, nobody ever went broke 
taking a profit. That, that's uh, that's that's another one of the the classic Wall Street lines, right? And and you know, bears make money, bulls make money, pigs get slaughtered, and you know we've we've ridden this tidal wave up. You don't want to ride it all the way back down without without taking some of those astronomical profits that you could have made, and and, and actually realizing them. So. You know, take a look at, at your portfolios and everything and, and just sort of be cognizant of where we are right now. Nothing goes up forever. Everything reverts back to the mean eventually. And uh, with that being said, I am going to wrap there. I need to, whew, I got to get this episode out. I got to shower and hit the uh, hit the happy hour. So enjoy your weekend, everybody. Click on the link in this description. I've been trying to figure out how to get a custom link for this, but it's like Sayulita Super Spreader dot event smart something or other dot com. I don't know. Uh, I'll link to it in the description so you guys can get your tickets. Buy your tickets sooner rather than later and start looking for places to stay in Sayulita. This is during the high season, so things are getting booked rather quickly. If you have any questions, feel free to hit me up on Twitter at PedalFiction. Oh, and the merchandise store is up and running. I've put out a, a few designs. I have like four or five designs up there right now, mostly just logos and stuff like that. But they, I think they look pretty cool. And I'll, I'll be putting a lot more stuff up there over the next uh, couple of weeks. And that's on Public. I will link to that as well. They're having a big Labor Day sale right now. And this, this, the site just went live. So you can get like a, a pretty nice discount on, on everything offered on the site there. So uh, check that out if you want to get some Peddling Fiction merch. And if you guys can do all that for me, I will be back on Tuesday with a brand new episode for you. And until then, you guys know the drill. Buy your Sayulita Super Spreader tickets and keep on peddling that so-called fiction. <laughs>